Well, welcome to week two of a new series we're doing called The Able Tour. Uh, we're talking about what God is able and capable of doing in our lives. And uh, that's something that's really huge in my heart, in my soul, is helping us understand that God is able, that we don't serve a dead God. We don't serve a God. Uh, there's a lot of people that say this. There's a lot of theology that say this, that the miracles and the things that happened uh, in biblical times, that isn't exactly what God's doing today. I would have to refute that and say that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He does not change. And what he did 2,000 years ago, he's doing today. Amen. He is healing. He is restoring. He is helping. He loves you. He's passionate about you. And he wants to bless your life. And sometimes we need a uh, new perspective on the nature and the character of the God that we are serving. And so that's what we're doing uh, in this series. But um, if you're new, um, I'm going to help you understand a few things today. Number one, I have three kids, okay? Uh, those are two of my boys, good-looking boys, okay? That's Michael on the right. Uh, go back, go back real quick. Uh, Michael on the right, okay? And he's 12, and then we got Ben, and he is 8. Uh, go to Luke, the Luke picture, whatever the Luke picture. There's Lukey, come on now. That is just cute as cute, okay? All right? He is all of three, and uh, if anybody says terrible twos are bad, just wait till you get to three, okay? So uh, my house is busy. It is crazy, uh, but I love it, and I love, love our kids. And so yesterday, I had the three boys. Jess was here for uh, a shower that was happening here at the church, and so I took the boys, and we went to Chipotle, and then after Chipotle, we had to go to Sam's uh, because we had to get ready for tonight, Fresh Life. If you're in your 20s, we're having fresh life in my house tonight. It's going to be an awesome, awesome night. But we're on the way to Sam's. And there is this great debate that is happening in the Workmeister family. And it is the great debate. It is the dog debate of 2017, okay? Um, how many dog fans do we have in the house, okay? I know the divorce just got new two puppies. Come on now. Dog fans, okay? cat fans, cat fans. Yes, we will pray for your soul after service. I promise you, okay? We will take care of you, okay? Now, I love dogs, okay? Really, really do. Really, really like them, okay? But I like them like I like your children, okay? So I see your children. I get to love your children. I get to play with your children. But then your children go home with you, okay? And that's how I like dogs, okay? I go to your house. I play with your dog. The dog licks me a few times. I smell like dog. And then I go home and I shower and I get dog off of me, okay? So that is my, my thing with dogs. But my boys are obsessed with the idea of getting a dog, okay? And I've repeatedly crushed their hearts over and over and over again and made it abundantly clear. So yesterday, uh, Ben brings up the idea again. Dad, we really need to get a dog. And first of all, I'm like, Ben, listen, dogs die, okay? So I had dogs growing up, okay? Wednesday night church, we go to Wednesday night church because, yes, we went to Wednesday night church. We went to Sunday church. We went to Sunday night church. We went to Tuesday night prayer. We were at church all the time, okay? Wednesday night church, we come home, and where's Rusty? Okay, we can't find Rusty, okay? Rusty, where are you? Rusty, 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 Rusty. Oh, 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 Rusty, Rusty. Rusty is dead, Um Rusty's head is in a Cheetos bag, and he is suffocated to death. And 
And I mean, listen, I, I'm sorry. When you're when, when you're like when you're like ten year old boy, I mean, I just started laughing. I was like, this is amazing. Rusty, I love you, but dude, Cheetos, man. Oh my gosh, I love Cheetos too, you know? You know what I mean? Rusty died. A bandit got hit by a car. We had another dog that got hit by a baseball and got cancer and died. I mean, listen, I know, I know. Seriously, I'm like, listen, we do not need a dog in a workmaster family. We bought a dog once and sold it quickly. So, So Ben is like, no, we are getting a dog. Okay? And so somehow I'm like, I got to flip this conversation. You know, I got to get out of this conversation. I'm like, hey, guys, 51 days till Christmas. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, yeah, Christmas. And Michael's like, I love Christmas so much, and I love Thanksgiving. And so he brings up the fact that um, in our family, we have a new member in our family. And he goes, he goes hey, it's Cece's. It's going to be Cece's first Christmas at Mimi's house. That is grandma and grandpa's house, Mimi and Pooch, okay? I don't know whoever came up with these names. I don't get it. I don't understand it. In Illinois, where I grew up, it was grandma and grandpa, but in Ohio, you come up with the weirdest names in Ohio, okay? But Mimi and Pooch's house. And I go, yeah. I go, well, it's going to be uh, Elena's first Christmas, too. And and they were like, well, why does Elena get to come to Christmas this year, okay? And then that's, that's Matt's girlfriend right here, okay? And, and I go, well, Matt's dating Elena, and, and she gets to come to Christmas. So Ben pipes up the middle one. All right, where, where's that picture of Ben, okay? Yeah, that kid right there, okay? Yeah, Joe Cool right there, okay? He pipes up, and he goes, Michael, I got it. I know how we can get a dog. Michael goes, how, Ben? He goes, I'm just going to date a dog. And if I date the dog, then the dog gets to live with us, and the dog gets to come to Christmas with us, Michael. And he goes, I will lay on the floor, and I will let the dog kiss me all day long. I'm just like, what in the world? This, I mean... Listen, you got to understand, this is the kid that he just turned eight, and I told him, I will not wipe your butt anymore. We, the butt, wipe being butt days are done. So he came home from school the other day, and I'm like, you smell like a barn. Like, like, like did you go roll in manure? Like, what has happened? I was like, Ben, did you poop at school? He's like, he's like yeah, but Dad, I wiped my butt. I'm like, well, Buddy, we're gonna have to check this situation now. You know what I mean? Like this is—I don't—I just—he's like, Dad, I promise. I'm like, nope, drop him. He's like, Dad, I'm like, drop him. He drops him, and sure enough, man, the booty was clean except for he had wiped all the poop on his cheeks. Somehow, all the poop got out of his butt, and now is living on his cheeks, and it is dried on his cheeks. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. I love kids. But you know what? I, I talked about this last week. One of the things that I love about kids is I love their ability to have faith in God. Kids have this, like the word says, this childlike faith. If God said he could do it, then he can do it. If God says he can heal, he can heal. If God says he can save, he can save. If God says he can renew, he can renew. Whatever God says, they just have faith. My boys play basketball, and uh, they play at this place called RGB. And um, we were at practice a few, few weeks ago. 
And the thing that I love about Ben is that I think he's, he's just got this anointing on him for the future. And he's aware, like me, like I see everything all the time. And so I'm at RGB, and I'm watching Michael, and every time they have a break, they have, there's this kid, one of the brothers, that one of the kids comes out, and he runs out, and his legs are deformed. And, I, I mean, I can't, even, I can't even do it. Basically, his legs are like this. They're completely bowed out. And he runs out onto the court every time there's a break, and, and his arms are a little deformed, and he's trying to throw the ball up there. And I'm recognizing this, and I'm seeing this in, in, in my head and in my heart. In my head and my heart, I know that God desperately cares for him. And so we get home that night, and we have prayer every night before the boys go to bed. And so we're sitting with the boys, and we're praying with them. And Ben looks at me, and he says, hey, Dad, can we please pray for that boy at basketball tonight. I know Jesus can heal him. It's his childlike faith. We read stories all the time to the boys about God healing and restoring. Every time Jesus came, he healed somebody. And so in his eight-year-old brain, there's no jaded situations he's walked through in life. He just goes, you know what? God said it so he can do it. Michael, the other night, we're driving home from school, and he starts telling me about one of his friends at school, and that one of his friends at school kind of gets messed with, with his mom and dad, and his mom and dad aren't real nice to him, real kind to him, and, um, and he's talking to me about his friend. He said, I think my friend uh, doesn't know Jesus, and he said, Dad, can we just pray for him? Can we just pray for his family? Look, kids have this childlike faith. You know what I really love, really love? And I was a youth pastor for 16 years. I love high school kids. Because when they get it, they're just dangerous enough and wild enough and crazy enough to run with it and go, you know what, I got it. God is good, and I'm going to let God's goodness flow wherever I go. I love it. Love high school school kids. Let me, let me show you uh, a picture real quick. Throw that picture up there. That's me back in the day. That's a long time. Look at that. Look at that blonde dyed hair. Amen. That was, we were actually on a missions trip in, uh, in Mexico. That's back in the day when I was an intern. A long time. That's some young faith right there. Go to the next picture. Uh, that's me and Jess way Back in the day, we had just kind of became a thing. I knew her for two months, and then I forced my way to Christmas somehow. I called her mom and said, I'm coming. And so I think that's from that Christmas. There's something about young faith. Young faith just believes. Like it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says, So since we have such a great high priest who has entered into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to what we believe. Let's hold on to it. Let's hold tight to what the Word of God says. Verse 15, this high priest understands our weaknesses. He's faced all these things and has been tested just as we did uh, just as we did, yet he did not sin. Verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of God's grace 
And there we will find his mercy, we will find his grace to help us when we need it the most. Man, you help students understand that they're the righteousness of God. Man, you come into worship and there's not a hand that's not up. There's not a voice that's not singing. Students go, Jesus did that for me. He can help me. Yeah, I want that. Yeah, I need that. Jesus says, I'm worthy. It's awesome. I'm the righteousness of Christ. Young faith. You know what I love about those pictures? It reminds me when I had young faith. You know? Just old enough to understand a little bit, but still dumb enough not to really understand life. And I think it's funny because the older I get, the more my heart yearns for those days when I had young faith. When I'm not worrying about things like a mortgage. How are we going to pay the mortgage? Do we have enough money in the 401k? When I actually do get to retire someday, is there going to be enough money? And will that money last until Jesus comes back or I go home to see the Lord? You know, will my marriage ever feel like it once did back in the day when we first met? I have my career, we have kids, dreams, will my dreams come true? See, here's the deal. Young faith doesn't think about any of those things. Young faith isn't concerned with any of those things. Young faith is just free and it's careless sometimes. And it just goes, if God says it, he meant it, and it's for me, and it's for you, and I want to show you the goodness of God. I love Young faith. I remember my second job in ministry was at this church in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Church of about a thousand people. And, and it was probably the third day that I was on staff. And we had this big staff meeting. And we were talking about changes that we were going to make in, in the church. And, and we were talking about you know, changes we were going to make in the youth. They had a 1,000 people, but they had about 10 kids that came to youth group. Youth group was a mess, and so they hired us, and they wanted us to build a youth ministry that would look like the main sanctuary. And so we're in this meeting with the whole entire staff, and, and it comes to me in, in my opportunity to share. And so I, I sit there, and I tell Pastors Jeff and Beth, I said, I said, here's the deal. I said, the youth room is horrendous. I was like, it looks like a subway station in New York City. Do you remember this? Back in the day, people that grew up in church, like they would make, like, they would be like, oh, a dirty, nasty subway station. That's what kids like. They want to they live down in the tunnels with homeless people. So let's create youth rooms that look like that, okay? That would be super cool. So that's, that's what they did. And so I'm like, listen, this nasty, dirty looks got to go. I'm like, there's a bus in there. And there's a garage, and I'm like, I need like thirty, forty thousand dollars. I was like, this thing sucks, okay? And I mean, this is like my third day on staff. And I remember Pastor Jeff just kind of staring into my soul, you know what I mean? But you're so young that you could care less. You're just like, what? What are you gonna do to me? Seriously, fire me? It's the third day for real. See you later. Peace out. You know what I mean? I remember about five years later. 
youth group was around 300 at that time. I'm sitting out with Pastor Jeff in his office. We're just talking. He's late one night at the office. I'm late one night at the office. He said, do you remember that third day? I go, what do you mean? He goes, do you remember the third day when we had that staff meeting? It was like your third day on staff, and you told me that the youth room was terrible, and it was gross, and it was nasty, and you needed like $30,000, $40,000 to redo it. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, for sure I remember that day. He goes, I wanted to end your life that day, basically. He's like, I wanted to come across the table and strangle you. He goes, but at the same time, he goes, I knew you were right. And I loved your boldness. And I love the young faith that you had. I think God loves young faith. Young faith always loves, it always hopes, it's never selfish, it actually looks for opportunities to run into danger, it actually looks for opportunities that looks hard and goes, you know what, I have enough faith, God's with me, God will come, he will change, he will renew, he will do this. I think God loves young faith. I think part of the success of Elevate Church to be a year and a half old, I have people call me up and go, how are you doing what you're doing? I'm going, I don't know. I just trust Jesus. I just hear what he has to say, and we just do what he tells us to do. But I think God loves it. And I love young faith, but I think God really does. I think God is looking for people that go, you know what? I read this in the Bible. You know, I, I I was reading reading John or, you know, this, this, whole, this whole entire series is built out of this verse, out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, where it says this, that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we might ever ask, hope, or imagine. And I think God is looking for people that look at the word and go, I think that verse is for me. I think God's talking to me. I think God wants to do something extraordinary in my life. God, if you would help me, we could do anything, Lord. And I think this is why God chose the disciples. Because most scholars tell us the disciples were probably, Ryan, what do you think, 12, 13, 14 at best? Young men didn't really understand life, didn't really understand things yet but moldable, pliable in the kingdom of God. Go with me to John chapter 4. We're going to look at an interesting story today. John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing, making more disciples than John. Okay, so they decided to leave Judea and return to Galilee. Verse 4, he had to go through Samaria on his way. Now, 90% of people who read this verse just skip over this little verse right here. Verse 4, he had to go through Samaria on his way. No, he didn't. Jews never went this way. Jews hated Samarians. Jews would do anything to avoid Samaria. 
Jews would actually go a longer way. I think a difference of a 16 or 17 mile different way, different route to go actually around and not enter into that country. There was so much prejudice against that country, against those people, against the way that they looked at them, that Jews would do anything to avoid that. And so these Jewish boys, these disciples, these young boys, I can promise you had grown up with this idea that we do not go through Samaria. Those people, we don't like those people. Those people, they're different than us. Those people, we avoid those people. So when Jesus says, the Bible says this, that he had to go through Samaria on his way, this is not correct. It's like I grew up in the northern part of Chicago. Now, to go to Chicago, you can go two different ways. You can go up I-90, and it will take you through the heart of Chicago. It'll take you through South Chicago, which is called Chirac. I think there's, gosh, I think right now there's 590 murders that have happened in South Chicago right now. So you can go through I-90, or you can take this alternative route called I-39. Okay? But I-39 will add two hours to your trip. This is what's happening with Jesus and the disciples. And Jesus purposely chooses to say, you know what? We're not taking a longer route. We're going through Samaria. Verse 5, eventually they came to a Samaritan village. Okay, verse 6, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, Jesus was tired from long walk. And so he sat wearily beside the well at noontime. Verse 7, a Samaritan woman came down to draw some water. And Jesus speaks to her. Big deal. Big deal. Number one, it's a Samaritan. Number two, it's a woman. This is super taboo in that day and time. Verse 8, he was alone at the time for his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. So what's happening? Jesus takes these young men that have a prejudice, Right? They have a thought pattern, right? They have a view upon these people. And Jesus goes, hey, I want you to take some of the money, and I want you to go into town, and I want you to buy some food. Crazy. What is Jesus doing? Number one, he's showing, hey, listen, there's no prejudice in the kingdom of God. This does not exist. In the kingdom of God, we are all one people. We all have each other's backs. So, number one, he's tearing down a prejudice. But number two, he's activating faith. Listen, you, you know what I love about the Bible? It's that it didn't say that Jesus picked a bunch of 38-year-olds, that Jesus picked a bunch of 45-year-olds. Because you want to know what happened in that, in that moment if there was a bunch of 38-year-olds or 45-year-olds or 57-year-olds or 78-year-olds. You want to know what happened? They would have been like, you're crazy. No way. There's no way on God's green earth that we are going to take money and go into town. Because you know what's going to happen when we go into town? Those people, they're going to stare at us. 
Those people aren't going to want to talk to us. Those people hate us just as much as we hate them. And those people aren't going to sell to us. And we don't want to be with those people. And we're not going to spend time with those people. There is no way that we're going into that city. But you know what young faith says? Okay, Lord, you said it. You said it. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't understand why you're sending me there. I don't understand why you're subjecting me to that situation. I don't understand what's going on right now, God. But, God, you said it. So because you said it, I'm going to follow and I'm going to obey you, Father. Whatever you want. goes on to say this in, in verse 9. It says, that the woman was surprised for she was a Jew, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why would you ask me for a drink? Verse 10, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gifts God has for you, you'd be asking me for some water. I want to, I want to, I'm doing my best. I want to poke and pry the bear today. Does that make sense? Sometimes you need to be poked and prodded by the Lord to wake up and realize that God is going, hey, I have gifts. I have love. I have mercy. I have confidence. I have strength. I have healing. I have restoration. I have all that you are needing in your life, all that your soul is searching for. I have it all. I am able to do amazing things for you. And this is what God is saying to a woman, a Samaritan woman, a woman that doesn't have rights, a woman that should not be talking to Jesus, a woman that shouldn't be talking to a Jew, a woman that should not be in this situation, but Jesus, God of this world, has gone out of his way to come and to meet with her, to show her his goodness, to show her his grace. Verse 11, she goes on and talks about a rope and the well is very deep and how am I going to get water for you? In verse 13, Jesus replies, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink this water I give will never thirst again because it is fresh, bubbling, springing up within them, giving them eternal life. Verse 15, she says, please, sir, give me this. I need that. That's what my soul needs. That's what I'm yearning for. That's what I'm looking and I'm searching and I can't find and I'm looking and I can't find it over and over again. And Jesus replies in verse 16, he says, go get your husband, Jesus said. Verse 17, she says, I don't have a husband. The woman replies, Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband. Verse 18, for you have five husbands, and you aren't married to any of these men right now. Here's a woman that is caught in sin. She's caught in adultery. She's caught in mistakes. And my favorite part is this, is that Jesus is completely fine with the situation. I think it's funny in church when people fail 
or people have issues or people have problems. I don't know if this was your church growing up, but my church was very much like, did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you hear what so-and-so said? Do you know what's happening in so-and-so's life? I, I remember growing up and having friends in church and all of a sudden not having friends and trying to figure out why I don't have those friends anymore and just being told they just weren't the people that we needed to spend time with anymore. We find Jesus in the midst of a chief sinner. We find Jesus in the midst of an adulterous woman. And he has gone out of his way to spend time with her. Worship team, you guys can come on up. Verse 19, the woman said this, you must be a prophet. Verse 20, so, I, so tell me, why is it that Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place worthy, but Samaritan claims that the mountain of Gaza is where our ancestors have been Ship and he goes, she goes on to talk about worship and worshiping in Samaria and, and, and why they don't worship anymore. In verse 25, she comes to the place. The woman said this, I know the Messiah is coming, the one that is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. In verse 26, Jesus answers and says this, I am the Messiah. Verse 27, the disciples come back and they were shocked to find him talking to this woman. What is Jesus doing in this moment? He's teaching these young guys, don't have faith in systems. Don't have faith in how the world does things. Don't have faith in, in social, economical ways and, and, and things that people do. Don't put your faith in the world system. Put your faith in me because whenever I show up, I am always here to restore. I'm always here to take what is broken and to mend it and put it back together. You know what I love most about this story is this. If we think about Jesus, He's got a finite time that he's actually on earth, 33 years. That's only so many days, so many weeks, so many months, so many years. He's only have, he only has such a small window of time to be on earth. Just as Sozo last weekend, I, I preached this message where, where some Greek men come to Jesus and they go, we want to meet with you, Jesus. And Jesus goes, no, time's up. Sorry, the time has come. I'm going to go to the cross. I got to give my life for humanity. And Jesus basically tells these good men and these good people, I don't have time for you. So, you know what that tells me about this story? Jesus, that is fully man and is fully God and fully understands every day, every moment, every second that he is on the planet, how valuable it is. For him to say, we're not going to go that way, but we're going to take a detour. I'm going to take my time. 
And I'm gonna go find a woman who is lost. I'm gonna go find a woman who's carrying guilt and shame. I'm gonna go find a woman that needs grace. We're gonna go find her and we're gonna heal and we're gonna restore and we're gonna love her because she really matters to the kingdom. Why don't you stand this morning? So what is God saying to us today? If she mattered, you matter. Your life matters. When Jesus come, he heals the broken. When Jesus come, he heals what seems dead and gone. When Jesus comes, he heals broken relationship. When Jesus comes, he gives us the gift of what? Him. And we find ourselves. We find who we are in him. And we are restored and we were renewed in him. And then our faith grows. And when our faith grows, we go, God, you're the God who is able. You are able. You are able to not just do it in my life but do it in other people's lives. And I want to take what you're doing in my life and I want to spread it. So what do you need God to be able for today? What do you need? This is my favorite question. Kelly Kement asks me this all the time. He, he asks me every time I see him, he goes, what do you need God to do for you today? Tough question, huh? You don't walk in here thinking that question. What do you need God to do for you today? What do you need him to do in your marriage? What do you need him to do in your career? What do you need him to do in your kids? What do you need him to do in your future? What do you need God to do? Because God has come and he said, I'm able, I'm able, I am able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask, hope, dream, or imagine. And I wanna show you my goodness. I want to show you how great I truly, truly am. So I want to do this. If you're in here today, you're like, you know what? I need God to do something big in my life. I want you to throw your hand up. Throw your hand up. Hands up all over. Look, look around. Look around. So many people with their hands up. We all do. Amen? Right? We all need God to heal. We all need God to restore. We all need God to do amazing things. Amen? You know what God needs from you today? Just some childlike faith. That's it. Just childlike faith. Just a little bit of faith that you go, you know what, God, you got my back. God, you did all this just for me. God, you went to the cross just for me. All he needs is just a little bit of childlike faith. Amen? All right, so let's do this. If you had your hand up, put your hand back up. Hand back up. Okay? All right. If you're next to somebody that has their hand up, I just want you to put your hand on them. Put your hand on them. Okay. We're just going to believe. What's the point of coming to church and having needs and not having them met? Amen? Come on, just start praying for that person. I know you don't know exactly what they need, but God does. Come on. Father, we bless these. <laughs> we bless your people. Father, we bless your people. Father, we bless your people. God, you know every need, you know every care, you know every pain, you 
know every situation. You know every problem. We thank you, God, just like you said in the book of John, you said, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So, Father, we come together in faith today, knowing that you are good, God. You are faithful. If you'll go out of your way, if you'll take your time for that woman at the well, you will go out of your way for us. You will go out of your way to meet our needs. You will go out of your way to open up doors that only you can open up. You will go out of your way. So today we put our faith, we put our trust, we put our hope in you, Jesus. I just come against the enemy that would lie, that would lie and rob the joy of the Lord right now. And I bind you in Jesus' name. And I release grace, 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 grace. Grace in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Throw up your hands. Let's all throw up our hands. Let's worship Jesus. We praise you. Praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We glorify him. Come on. I want you to start thanking him that that problem, that situation, he's dealing with it. He is restoring. He is healing renewing God we praise you we thank you God in faith in faith that you are such a good God you are right now restoring what is broken restoring healing renewing strengthening thank you father thank you father thank you father says this rejoice in the Lord and again I say rejoice rejoice in the Lord and again I say rejoice why because the joy of the Lord is your strength it's your strength so you hold on to in life listen I'm not telling you that you're gonna be free from hard days or trouble or, or or trouble that comes in the night or trouble that comes at work I'm not telling you that but guess what we have a joy because we know that our God is for us and he's not against us and so I hold on to it and I rejoice in the Lord and then I rejoice again and I rejoice again and I rejoice again and I rejoice again and I rejoice and rejoice and rejoice until I see God's hand move amen why don't you grab a hand next to you we're gonna pray if you're in this house today and you've never given your life to Jesus or you've been away from the Lord for a while and you want to give your life to him today today's a perfect day do not let this moment pass by the Bible says if you pray and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord he is faithful to take your past your sin your guilt your shame and remove it and to put you in right standing with God the Father spend forever and eternity with Jesus so let's pray this prayer together father we love you we praise you today Jesus we believe in you thank you for your grace thank you for the cross thank you for taking my guilt thank you for taking my shame thank you for taking my past I believe today 
that you died for my sins, went to the grave, but rose victoriously three days later. I believe in you, Jesus. Come into my heart, restore me with your love and your grace. I love you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give it up for everybody that prayed that prayer today. If you're in here today and you prayed that prayer, please let us know, okay? We love doing life with people, okay? That's why we have church on Sunday mornings. That's why we have things like Better Together, our marriage group. That's why we have Fresh Life tonight because we want to do life together with people. That's how God's created. So if you made a decision for the Lord today, please let me know. Uh, you can let Matt know. You can let Jess know. You can let one of us know. We'd love to help you understand the next steps in following Jesus. Amen? Come on, can we just give it up for Jesus this morning? He's just so, so good. Look, we love you with all of our hearts, and uh, we're always praying, we're always believing God's best for you and your family. Uh, next week's week three of the ABLE Tour, we're actually gonna be talking about prayer. I know a lot of times people are like, how do I pray, what do I pray? Who do I pray to? Does God still answer prayer? Does God hear me? We're gonna talk about it next week. It's gonna be great. Listen, we love you. We love you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. We will see you guys next Sunday.